We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Father, we thank you today that you are here with us. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have just to share today and just to bring hope and life into families, God. We thank you that families matter to you. Our family matters. My family matters to you. And God, I just thank you for that today. I pray you'll be with us. Speak to our hearts and our lives today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So are you ready today? Are you ready? Let's jump back into the series that we started last week, Family Matters. My family matters. Come on, say that with me. My family. My family matters. Come on, it matters what I do. Come on, my relationships with my kids, with my spouse, with those around, it matters. Come on, my interaction matters. My response, it matters. Family matters. What I do, in other words, matters. We can't control what other people do. We really can't. But we can sure control what we do. And what we choose to do, and so many times that by itself brings such a change when we are what God wants us to be. And it's my responsibility to be the husband, the father in my home. It's your responsibility to be the child. It's your responsibility to be the wife and the mother. It's your responsibility wherever you come to play your role. Pete was talking about that on Wednesday during some of the workshops that we had. He was presenting the fact that so many times in a relationship we play the blame game that we say well you're supposed to do that we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do and then when our spouse in each other does what they're supposed to be doing everything is done but so often we can point the fingers and point the blame game. And I cannot strongly encourage you enough to be with us again Wednesday. We're going to be offering those workshops all the way from how to discipline your child in a godly way, all the way to how to help um, meet the financial stress and strain, how to eliminate the family feud when it comes to finances. And we've put on things that we really believe are going to help you and your family because we believe in your home. We believe in your future. And today we're going to learn some more important truths or really principles. Thank God that they are principles because a principle is like a foundation that other things are built upon. If we don't have a proper principle, a proper foundation, nothing can make it. But when we take the truth of God's word, put it as a principle in our life and then apply it to our lives, our lives can truly be built upon something that will last and something that will succeed. And our theme scripture throughout this month has been Psalms 101, verse 2 from the Message Bible. It says this, I am doing the very best I can, and I am doing it at home where it counts. What is the thought? I'm being the best that I can. Didn't say perfect and getting everything right, but saying I can be the best that I can where? At my home, where it counts, where it matters the most is at my home. My number one ministry is my home. It's my marriage. It's my family. Amen. And we've got to realize that. And from that principle, from that foundation, other things can grow. I can step into other ministries. I can be truly used by God when I get that right. And I get God moving in my home and making the changes that he needs to do in my life. And we're going to quickly go over a recap from last week as we talked about love and respect in the family. We're taking a lot of the materials from this incredible book. I've got one to give away. Does anyone read and want a book? Anyone read and want a book? There you go. Let me give that to you. Can I give this to you? There you go, mum. Welcome back. And we're just talking about principles and we're going to be giving out a book every message to be here. But here's how we've discovered is this. We discovered that parents 
need to give their kids love, but yet in giving their parents or their kids love, they need respect. So what we've discovered is parents need the respect and through that they will give love or they need to be given love to their children. But then what we've also understand is this, that, pa- that children need that love from their parents. And hopefully when they get that love, they will then respond with the respect. And when that is not happening, when we're not given the love, when we're not given the respect, we go on the crazy cycle. And that's what this is right here, the crazy cycle. Follow it with me from the top. Notice, without love, a child reacts how? Without respect. And without respect, a parent reacts without love. Let me say it again. If the child is not loved, their reaction is not going to be respectful. Parent needs respect. A child's not going to give that if they don't feel loved. And then if a parent is not respected, a parent is going to react without love. And when there isn't the love and the respect that's being given that is needed, then we spin on the crazy cycle and our families are out of control. We've got to get off the crazy cycle. And how we break that crazy cycle and stop that from functioning and spinning out of control is to meet the needs of each other. Look at this statement. To meet the deepest need is to unlock their heart. I truly believe that. If I want to unlock the heart of my kids, I need to meet their need, not a want. It's more than a want. It's a need that they have. They need to be loved, to feel love, to have my love. And in the same regard as a child, if I want to respect my parents, I have to meet that need in their life, meeting something that is different. And that's the challenge, you see. This is the challenge with all of this, is the fact that people have different needs. As a parent, my need is different to a child. As a child, my need is different to a parent. As a male, my need is different to a female. And therefore, everything is going on. So here's the question I want to ask you today. Is it okay that someone else has a different need to you? Is it okay that someone else has a different need to you? Whether you answer today yes, maybe you answer no, maybe you answer maybe. Maybe you say, well, let me just go home and pray about it. Let me answer that for you today. I'm just going to answer it for you today. And the answer is, yes, it's okay. And the reason, yes, it's okay is because God made them that way. God made us that way. Not wrong, but God made us different. Say with me, not wrong, but just different. So our needs may be different, doesn't make us wrong. It just means that we need those needs met in our lives. So last week we looked at decoding. We looked at what's really going on in the home, how to decipher and to decode the pink and the blue, the love, the respect, the different needs, to hear and to see through the cry of what is really being said. So we looked at three key points last week, the first being this, is it kids just being kids? It's a great place to start because kids are kids. They're going to do some silly things. And so many times we've got to look and ask ourselves, are my kids just being kids? Because irresponsibility is not the same as disrespect. So we looked at that. Then we looked at a very important thing is, am I reacting or am I responding to a situation? And there's a big difference because to react is like a knee-jerk response. And what happens in that is usually we say things or do things that we wish we could take back. If you ever said anything and you just saw those words leave your mouth and as soon as they left you knew you shouldn't have said them and you wanted to grab them and put them back but they've said and you cannot bring them back. Have you ever done something and you wish and you say, man, I wished I had never done that. That's a reaction to a situation. That's a knee-jerk reaction. Where to respond is something different. It's where we just kind of take a time. We just kind of breathe. We just kind of consider the whole information. We, we get, gather the information. We talk to our spouse. We just learn to deal with it in a proper way. And how many would agree that's a whole lot better to do it like that? whole lot better instead of just react. That we just kind of take some time that we gather the information so we can respond in a proper way. And I pray even tools and helps like that has helped you this week just to be able to respond to your kids, not to react to your kids. And then the last point that we asked ourselves on last Sunday is this. What's the real issue here? 
What is really the issue? Because we've got to watch that a issue that is not the real issue can become the issue. I know that's a mouthful. Let me say that again. We've got to watch that a issue that's not the real issue can become the issue. And we've got to watch we're not making something out of nothing. If our child is crying because they don't want to go to bed, that's because they don't want to go to bed. It's not because they think you are unloving and you're unkind. They just don't want to go to bed. Kids don't want to go to bed. Don't want to clean their teeth. Don't want to bathe. Don't want to do those things. You've got to force them sometimes. And it's not because they're being disrespectful to you and they're, they're fighting against your authority. They're just being a kid. So don't make the issue at hand bigger than what it is. Deal with the issue. Handle the nothing. Handle the small things so they don't become big things and cause division in your home. And then we told a story. Sorry about the story. If you were here last week, how many people have forgiven me for the story I told? Come on, that was a rough story, wasn't it? I mean, my family, I've been offered money. Megan offered me $2 million to never tell that story again. Guess what? I'll never tell that story again. Where's the money? Come on. But, you know, it it just really slammed it. And if you weren't here, don't worry about the story. Here's what you need to worry about. What's your story? What's your story? What are you doing with your life? So today, I really want to look at another key point today. Are you ready? Here's what we want to talk about today. How do we stop the craziness? How do we stop the craziness? We decode, but now we have to diffuse. We have to put out the flame. We have to put out the fire. How do we break the crazy cycle? How do we get off of it? Because it's not enough only to decode. That's discovering the issue. That's asking yourself what's really going on. But we must also diffuse and solve the problem. Because to only identify a problem and do nothing can build a greater frustration can cause greater frustration in the home because you know what the issue is, but you don't know how to solve it or to bring it to a conclusion. We pray today that we're going to give you some tools and helps that will help you to not only as we have hopefully discovered the problem, but how we can solve the problem. It's like driving your car. Have you ever driven your car and all of a sudden a warning light came on on your dash? Maybe just your engine was overheating or maybe there's an oil light that's coming on because you need to add a little oil or maybe a check engine light. How foolish would we be to say, you know what, that light's really annoying me. It's just blaring in my... How silly would it be to take a hammer and smash that bulb? And just, I'm going to just take care of that. Or take a piece of duct tape and just put it over that little thing and say, okay, now it's not annoying me anymore. Now it's not in my face anymore. How foolish would that be? Because here's what we do. We, we, we ignore the warning signs, but then we get mad when we're broke down and we're stranded on the side of the road. And we get really upset about that, but really it's no one else's fault apart from our own. Why? Because we were given enough warning to be able to find a service station, to be able to pull over, to take care of that problem before it became a major issue. But now we're dealing with a major issue. Why? Because we didn't heed the warning signs. Thank God for the warning signs. But we can't keep driving our cars with warning signs. We've got to pull over and put right what's wrong so we can function. If not, we're going to be stranded. If not, we're going to be mad. If not, there's going to be disunity in our homes. There's going to be problems. There's going to be a strife. So identifying the problem is just part or the beginning of the solution. We then need to put it into effect. We've got to fix the warnings, dealing with them because they're not going to go away. Your car does not fix itself. Hello? Your car won't fix itself. Just cover the light, smash it out, bam, I fixed the problem. Yeah, right. Keep driving and see how much fixed your problem is. And I want to use that as an example today for the title of our message today, because the Bible talks about the ostrich. It talks about the ostrich. The title of our message today is don't be an ostrich. And you're going to explain or we're hopefully going to see why. Look what it says in Job 39, verse 13 through 17. Job 39, 13 through 17 says this from the Message Bible. It says this, the ostrich flaps her wings futilely. All those beautiful feathers but useless. She lays her eggs on the hard ground. Notice she's not preparing a nest. She's not taking care, but she's just laying them on the hard ground and she leaves them there in the dirt, fully exposed to the weather, not caring that they might get stepped on or cracked or trampled by some wild animal. She's negligent with her young as if they weren't even hers. 
What a picture there. Don't be an ostrich. Because then what does an ostrich do? It buries its head in the sand. It kind of hides from it and thinks, man, if I could just put my head down long enough and then I can bring it back up, bam, bam, voila, everything's going to be okay. You know, I said this in the last message. This is not in my notes, but I believe you need to hear this today. Are you ready? And don't take me wrong. Hear what I'm saying. It's time some of you quit praying and just start doing it. Because there's too many people who are praying with their head in the sand. And they're saying, God changed my marriage, but yet they're talking to their spouse like absolute trash. Come on, they're disrespecting them. They're not spending quality time with them. They're on the cell phone all the time talking to everyone else about how bad they are and what they're not doing in their life. And they're putting their head in the sand and saying, God changed my marriage. Come on, you need to get your head out of the sand and say, God changed me. Come on, I know you're not maybe shouting amen, but you should be. God changed me because I need to be the spouse that my spouse needs. No wonder they're treating me like that. Because I'm reacting and I'm responding wrong. And I need to change and I need to do that. But we want to be like the ostrich. We want to bury our head. We want to take no consideration for really what we've done wrong. But yet we want to point the blame at everyone else. So here's an ostrich. And the Bible says that it looks the part. It has the feathers. It has everything that looks beautiful, but it's futile. They're they're good for nothing. It flaps, but it cannot get anywhere with them. Maybe that's us as a parent. We've got the kids. We've got the title, but yet we're not doing anything with it. It's futile. It's empty. And then what do we see? It's uncaring. It doesn't plan. It doesn't prepare. It's not providing what is needed. It's not protecting. But it just lays them out in the open where any harm can come. And then buries its head and thinks that everything's going to be okay. And if I close my eyes long enough, when I open them, everything's going to be good. Come on, look at those around you and say, don't be an ostrich. Come on, don't be an ostrich. We've got too many ostriches raising kids today. Too many people burying their heads in the sand, not prepared to do anything to be able to bring about what needs to happen in their homes. We need to break the craziness. And God has called us to do that. And I want to give you five helps today that I really believe will help you and enable you to defuse the bombs before they explode. Because they will explode. How do I know that? John 10.10, don't have it on the screen, but listen to me. The Bible says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. The enemy wants to take you out, your family out, destroy everything about you. He's put bombs in your family and he wants to blow you up. Why? Because he wants to dismember you. Think about that. He wants to divide you, that you're not at unity in your home, that you're separated, that you're living double lives and double standard lives. He wants to kill and destroy. You've got to get your head out of the sand. Come on, turn to someone around you and say, get your head out of the sand. Come on, look at them and say, get your head out of the sand. And realize God's got a plan for your life. Come on, tell him, God's got a plan for your life. You're not an ostrich. Come on, look at them. You're not an ostrich. Come on, God's got a plan. So let me give you five helps today. Are you ready? Point number one. You've got to take a time out. Come on, everyone give me the universal sign. Time out. Come on, we've got to take a time out at times. Even the best teams do this. And why do they take a time out? Sometimes it can be because they're tired and they just need a breather. But most of the time they take a time out is because they need to regroup. They need to come up with a plan. They need to make ready. Because you see, when it's all on the line, guess what? We need to get it right. Kelly and I went to LSU last night. Very seldom do you ever see a football team take a time out when they're on the 50-yard line. You very seldom see it on the 40, 30, 20. But when they're one yard to go, you often will see them take a timeout. Why? Because the coach on the sideline doesn't like the defense that he's got. They've got to have the goal line defense. They've got to have the big boys in there that are going to block up the hole. And they may have some people and they may have some personnel changes and they may need to work some things. And what do they have to do? They have to pull everyone over and say, listen, change what we thought was going to happen. This is what needs to happen. Because if we do the old thing, it's not going to work but this is what needs to happen come on when they do the timeout, hopefully it's to bring success and blessing come on we need to have some timeouts in our home we need to regroup we need to re-strategize and say hold on a second this is not working 
We need to make some changes. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says about taking a time out. Did you know that? Look, Proverbs 17, verse 4. It says, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. The NRV says it this way. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. Do you see that? Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. And it reads on and says, Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Or as the NIV says, drop the matter before a dispute, what? Breaks out. So to start a quarrel, it's just like unleashing a dam. We know what would happen if a dam breaks. Man, it takes out everything in its path. It's not specific. It just wipes out everything, good, bad. Everything is destroyed. But to drop the matter is what it says before a dispute breaks out. We put a stop to the conflict now. But then after a calm on both sides, we can revisit the issue. I am convinced that many of us experience unnecessary strife in our homes and in our families because we let the craziness go from bad to worse. We all have those moments. We all have our moments. But we just read the biblical, which is another way of saying the practical, because the Bible is practical, meaning you put, it's going to work in your life. If you apply the Word of God to your life, come on, it's not all spiritual, it's practical too. If I apply this truth to my life, it's going to be practical. We just heard the biblical response. The timeout, what does it say? It says, abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Before you're going to say something that you can't take back. Before you're going to do something, have a timeout and say, hey, let's have a break. Here's a good way. Parents, send your kids to the room. Just go off to your room for a moment. We're going to sit down and talk about it, but we're just not in a state right now. Just go to your room or sit down on that chair and be quiet. One parent said it this way. I wish someone would send me to my room. Come on, wouldn't that be great? Please send me to my room. Give me 10 minutes of peace and quiet. Lovely. All the parents would love that. Come on, some peace and quiet. But we need to have that so we can resolve. Here's a rule that I think we should really apply to our lives. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, take this down. I think this is a rule that we need to have in our homes. And that is this. Okay? If parents, we're going to speak to our kids in a loving manner because our kids need love. If parents, we're going to speak to our kids in a loving manner, then kids, you need to speak back to us in a respectful manner. I think that's a rule that we need to have. If we can't speak lovingly and we can't speak respectfully to each other, A, it's going to cause more craziness to happen, but we need to just break for a little bit more to calm down so we can come. I think that's fair, don't you? That if you want something, that you should be willing to give what's needed. And I think that's so important in the homes that we come together and we don't just pull the parent card and say, I'm the parent and I'm just going to tell you how it's going to be and this is going to be and that. You know, it's, there's times when parents, we have to exercise our authorities. We said in the first service, parents, you are the head of your home. You are the ones, the kids are not in control in the house. Parents, you are. But you've got to remember this, you are under what control? The control and the authority of God. So how do you rule your home according to his authority, not according to your interpretation of it? Not according to what you think. And if you cannot be under authority, you'll never be in a place of authority. The Bible's very clear about that. I believe today... I'm effective in what I do and I'm able to stand here and lead a great church of people. Why? Because I was able to come under the authority of my dad who was under God. I saw God through the authority of my father. He was the head of our home. And, and, and he, he didn't take trash. He didn't take smack. We, we had to be the best. But he disciplined us. He corrected us according to God's authority. So therefore, guess what? It released me now to be in the authority that I am today. So parents, we are in authority. But yet, don't just flex your muscle and say, I'm in control. If you are in control, then get it right. And that is this. Speak to your kids what they need. Speak in a loving manner. So then they can speak back to you in a respectful way. I think that would be a great rule. And then parents, it's also a great time during a timeout to have a quick prayer. And even with you young people, you need to pray this too. And here's how we pray. Lord, help me to respond, not to react. God, help me to respond right and not to react. Because to react is not good. But to respond, we pray will be God. And remember, parents, you're the adults. 
You're the adults, meaning hopefully that you're the more mature ones. And as the more mature ones, you have a greater ability to diffuse the situation before it explodes. Maybe today you've got a short fuse. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there are people who struggle with their temper. And they have issues when it comes to this. Maybe that's you. You know who you are and the people close to you, they know who you are because they've seen you react in a wrong way. But what I'm saying today is this. Here's what you need to pray. Pray that God would not take that passion, but God would redirect that passion. Because what you have is a God-given passion that you've allowed Satan to manipulate and control and to turn against what God wants it to be. But that's a passion inside of you that, wow, think about if you can have that same passion to love your kids. Think about if you can have that same passion that used to fly off the handle and just lose it. Think if you can have that passion just to support your family and to be everything that your family needs. I'm telling you, pray that God would redirect that and help that. But if you have a short fuse, this is especially a good thing and a practice for you to do. Because look what the Bible says in Proverbs 15 verse 18. It says this. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. Allays contention. I'll be honest with you, I had to look up that word because I didn't really know the definition of that word to allay. And I was really blown away with when I saw the definition of that. To allay means to put at rest, to put at rest. So a man who has a short fuse or a woman that has a short fuse, bam, they're just going to stir up strife. But he who is slow to anger just takes that time, time out. Let's just settle down. What does he do? He puts to rest contention. Isn't that beautiful? He puts to rest contention. Such wisdom in God's word. Another word means to relieve trouble. That's another definition of it. So he doesn't only put it to rest. He relieves trouble. He stops trouble before it becomes an issue. Look at the NIV version. says, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. There are going to be moments, even if you're not hot-headed. There's going to be moments in all of our lives for people who can normally be calm and collected and together and slow to anger. There's going to be times where every one of us are going to lose it. Come on, every one of us at times, if we haven't already, we're going to in the future. But here's something else you've got to remind yourself. Your loss of self-control is your issue and not your kids. It's your issue and not your kids. So many people say, well, they made me do it. No, they didn't make you do nothing. You did it. Oh, they maybe lit a fuse. They maybe lit your fuse. But guess what? You still have the choice to blow it out or you have the choice to blow up. Come on now. You still have that choice. Oh, no, they made me do it. No, they didn't make you do it. No one made you do anything. You did it yourself. Come on now. You did it yourself. And we need to take responsibility because we've got too many people in marriages that are saying, well, the reason I've done it is because my husband made me. No, they didn't make you do nothing. You could have still blown out that fuse, but you were the one that chose to blow it up. And anything that's blown up is blown to pieces. And there's division and there's disunity. God doesn't want that in our home. It's easy to point the blame, isn't it, and say, well, if they would have been different, then I wouldn't have done. Well, maybe the reason they're not different is because you need to be different. When you take responsibility and you stop the contention, stop the dam before it breaks, Take time out to sit down and talk. And listen, most of the time, the craziness in the family intensifies and worsens because of the parent's immaturity, not the kid's immaturity. It's a parental issue more than it is a kid's issue. Come on, parents, we're talking to you in love today. But our kids maybe have an excuse because they're just being kids. But we don't have an excuse. We're adults. We're parents. We need to handle things in a godly way manner in a godly way point number two don't automatically play the disrespect card oh they just disrespected me everything they do is disrespect don't just go there for everything because everything they do is not always disrespect we talked about it last week sometimes it's kids just being kids because that's what they're supposed to do they're kids they're kids now i don't like it when the principal calls me 
but I don't let it ruin my day because I know that Luke, Molly, any of my kids, I know that they're going to be kids at times. They're not going to be perfect. My mum had plenty calls from the principal. My mum had plenty opportunities to pull her hair out and think, man, am I ever go- is Philip going to ever make it till double digits? Because I'm sure my mum thought she was going to kill me before I was 10 many times. But you know what? Kids are kids. And again, sometimes just accepting that and understanding that is really going to help us with that. But remember what we talked about last week, and that is this. Look, irresponsibility is not the same as disrespect. Okay? Irresponsibility. Teach them. Train them. As we're going to discover as we look. But irresponsibility, they're kids. They're going to be irresponsible. But don't just take that the same as disrespect. Now, now, we've got to understand something about our kids, and that is this. Our kids can be stubborn at times. Come on, I've got, I've got a couple of them, or one of them on the front row right now. They can be stubborn at times. We can be stubborn. We can all be stubborn at times. And they can resist our instruction. Have you ever had your child resist your instruction? That's a nice way to put it, isn't it? To resist your instruction. But we must not conclude that they are always out there to get us. They're not staying up all night with their little radios under their, under their quilts going, testing one, two, let's destroy mum and dad tomorrow, over. Good idea, let's do this. Oh, I love that, what do you think? They're not doing that through the night. They're not planning for ways that they can disrupt the home and disconnect you as a family or to cut. They're not doing things like that, but yet we can jump so many times to think all they're doing is trying to destroy us. Kids live in the moment. You know what that means? They don't really think ahead. And I can give you an illustration. One day I saw a window with my friends and we thought, wow, how fun would it be to pick up rocks and see who could hit the window? Everything was going good while we didn't hit the window. But when we hit the window, all of a sudden, our moment changed. Anyone know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, the moment that was fun suddenly changed to, oh, no, we are, we're dead. There you go. That's the better one right there. We're dead. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The moment it was fun. It's like we had these doors in our house that had door panes. And for whatever reason, I'd come in the house and I would kick my shoes off to put them in the corner. Because in England, when you come in people's house, everyone takes their shoes off. So I'd just kick my shoes off. Well, one day, man, I couldn't believe it. I kicked my shoe off and it went through the window. I mean, why did it do that? I mean, it shouldn't have done that. But in the moment now, you look at it and think, duh. Of course it's going to go through the window. And then you know what happened? I heard those words that every kid dreads. Just wait till your father gets home. (laughs) Just wait. All of a sudden, the moment wasn't so fun anymore. But it wasn't just a case that I had to wait till dad got home. There was the appetizer before the main course. The appetizer in our home was the wooden spoon that mum had. And she would chase me around and she would do that. And then there was the main course when dad came home. And if you were really blessed, you got some dessert to follow too. But in the moment, we can start thinking and we get caught up and so many times in the moment people aren't meaning it for any other reason apart from they're just not really thinking straight and not just thinking straight but parents we've got to see our kids as good-willed though not always well behaved that they're good-willed but they're not always well behaved and Kelly and I, it, it laughs so many times. Kelly and I have had this conversation so many times in our house about how parents think that their kids will do no wrong. You know, how parents deny the fact that their kids can do wrong. Here's what they say, my kid would never say that. My kid would never, with a capital N, never do that. And you know, sometimes you want to get in their face and you just want to go, well, they did. (laughs) Come on, you just want to be a kid for a moment. Come on. Kelly was telling Jimmy about the men's go-kart and she said, Jimmy, I want you to take care of my husband on Tuesday night because he thinks he's 12. (laughs) And Jimmy says, you're asking the wrong person. I love that. (laughs) So me and Jimmy are going to take care of each other. But you know, sometimes, you know, they're like so shocked. My kid would never say that. But they do. And that's a whole other message and we'll get that. 
and things. But why will they say that? Why will they do things wrong? Because it's okay because they're kids. But it's not okay for you as an adult. And most of the time, the reason they are doing wrong things is because monkey see, monkey do. They're following the example of how you respond and how you talk to your, the mother and the father and what's presented in the home. In my workshop on Wednesday night, I really made two, I think, really powerful statements. And, and again, I don't think you're going to be able to get all this down. And don't worry about it. Get the CD at the end of the message. And this is one of those messages I think you need to listen to a couple of times because there's too much to digest in one sitting. You need to get all of this. But I said a couple of statements I want you to say today. Are you ready? One of the best ways a mother can speak respect to her son is by praising and respecting her husband in front of him. Say that one more time. One of the best ways a wife can respect her son is by her praising and respecting her husband, his father, in front of him. And here's the other side. Are you ready? One of the best ways a father can love his daughter is by loving her mother, by loving his wife, by having that unity in the home. You see, if only my kids would be right, then everything would be right. No, it starts with the parents. And I am a firm believer of this. As parents, we determine the environment of our homes. Oh, my kids are out of control, so my house is crazy. No, you get yourself in control. Have you seen how you're talking to your wife? Have you seen how you're talking to your husband? Have you seen that as you set the standard in your home, your kids are going to follow? Thank God for my mom and dad. My mom and dad are human like everyone else. But you know what? We never saw my parents fight. We never saw my parents arguing and getting mad at each other. Did they do it? Yeah, probably. But you know how they did it? When we weren't around. Why? Because their problems were not our problems. They wanted to create an environment for us that we wouldn't feel insecure, that we wouldn't be worried about mom and dad are going to get divorced. What are we going to do? 85% of kids whose parents get divorced, they blame themselves for the divorce. That's horrific. 85%. Why is that? Because parents, we set the example. We set the environment in the homes. It's so key. If you want to change your home right now, change how you react to your spouse. Change the respect and the love that you have for each other. And you're going to see a drastic change take place in your house. Why? Because our example, our behavior is key. Don't just jump to the disrespect. Start looking and saying, what do I need to do to make some changes? Don't just default to disrespect. But even ask yourself, in this instance, should my love overlook the offense? Should my love trump every offense? And more than not, the answer is yes. And the family crazy cycle will stop spinning. Don't mean we don't handle the problems, but we handle it in a godly, right way. Not trying to personalize everything. Listen to what parent wrote. One parent wrote and said, I personalized the boys' skirmishes to mean that my authority didn't matter. His kids would fight, and he personalized it that every time they fought, just being kids, he personalized it to mean that his authority didn't matter. And then he goes on to say, and I projected onto my children my false belief that their disregard for my instruction, that they disregarded my instruction because they were defying my leadership and rules. Do you notice how it can just spin out of control because I am projecting onto them a wrong feeling that I am having within myself. I need to get it right so I can be right, so I can give them what they need. So easy, isn't it, that a you issue can become a them issue, but it's something that you need to handle on your own and you need to allow God to deal with you on that. And maybe your kids are just acting out because they're trying to get your attention. Maybe it's because they feel unloved. But I'm telling you, as you meet that need as a parent and you give them that love, then you're going to see a turnaround. Look at the Bible says in Proverbs 20 verse 3. I just love this. It says, keep away from strife is an honor for a man. It's an honorable thing for a man to stop striving. Notice what it says. And it says, since any fool can start a quarrel. Come on, don't be an ostrich. Which another word we just read there, don't be a fool. Because any fool can start a quarrel. But it takes someone special 
you under the instruction of God. That makes you special to stop those things. Are you getting this today? Come on. These are proven tools that I believe that they will work in your life. They just have to be applied. You've got to be the bigger person. Number three, you really got to move on real quick. Number three, explain the craziness to them. Sit down with your kids and explain what's going on and why things are out of control. Don't just automatically assume that they're going to get this because you don't and I don't. And that's why we need to hear messages and series like this that are giving us practical ways of things to do in our home because we don't just get it. Parenting's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. And we said it last week, parenting is for adults. It's not for kids. Parenting is for adults. And thank God we've got a manual for parenting and it's the Word of God that can instruct us and help us. And it's more about not what to do against someone else, but it's more about what to do in your own life. Come on, how God can change me and then I'll be different to those around. But it's time to talk with them about all this. Talk to them about the pink and blue. Talk to them about the need for love and respect. Ask them what is it that they need. Tell them what it is that you need and understand that there will be differences, but when we meet each other's needs, we unlock each other's heart. Talk about the craziness and why we are on the crazy cycle and how we can come off the crazy cycle. Talk to them about that. If they're here today inside of the church and hearing this message, when you go home over lunch today, ask them a question. What did you think about what Pastor Philip talked about. What are ways that you feel unloving? What are the things that I do that I need to do better? Talk to us so we can have a happy home and listen to what they say. Don't just say, I'm the parent, this is how it's going to be. Listen to what they say because unfortunately as parents, our kids are growing up and that means we have to sometimes treat them in a different way. Not compromising, but just change a little bit. Come on, same message, but a different method that needs to be applied and used. Talk about it. And remember this, talk about the fact that craziness is not just the parent's responsibility. It's not just if the parents act right, then everything else is going to fall in place. I pray that the parents are acting right, and I pray hopefully you are. And if not, you need to change that right now. But talk about the fact that if we're going to see unity in our home, it's not just us as parents acting right. You as kids have got to act right too. Because we've got to function together. And explain it's not always just what they say, but it's how they say it. We have to address this a lot in our home with our kids. Quit your attitude. I don't have an attitude. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. And you know how I know you do? By how you just talked to me. But I just told you, I'll take out the trash. Exactly. You didn't say, hey, Dad, what a lovely day to take out the trash. Thank you so much. I'll take out the trash. It's not just what we say, but it's how we say it. Address that. Talk about that. One of the things that I had to address with our kids is this. You know, they'll be in the car and they'll maybe want the stereo turned up and they'll just shout from the back, turn up the stereo. Uh, excuse me, no, we don't stop, talk like that. Can you turn up the stereo? Please, please and thank you. Still the magic words. Teach our kids manners. Not just what you say, but it's how you say it. Discuss how things, as I said, can be better in the home because your kids need to get this because one day they're going to have their own home and they're going to have their own kids. And if you don't teach them and they don't understand what we're talking about here, they're not going to have, be able to diffuse the craziness in their own home. And unfortunately, what's maybe crazy in your home is probably going to be more crazier in their home because we're bringing up people to be more crazy than what we are because they say every generation tends to come in below the one before. So how do we solve that? How do we turn that? We're not going to be able to turn that thought around. But if we lift up our standard as parents, guess what? The standard of our kids automatically rises to. And that's how we change that. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up a child in the way they should go. Notice it doesn't say in the way they do go. Because sometimes our children are going to choose to go wrong. But we are still responsible by God to still keep training them in the way they should go. What does that mean? We don't compromise even though they're not living for God. 
We still keep preaching and there's still the same rules apply. If you're going to live in our house, and even if you're not in our house, these are still the rules that you need to live by. You train them up in the way that they should go, in the right pathway. You lay the tracks. That's what I always say. Train up a child. A a train runs on tracks. Lay the track for their life so they're going to hit their intended destination. And when they are old, what is the promise? They will not depart from it. It doesn't mean they're always going to run back to it immediately. It could be months. It could be years. They may choose never to. But you know what? I would much rather present the truth to them so the truth is there so they can return to it. Because if there's no truth, there's nothing to return back to. So we give them the truth that we pray that they will return back. Ignorance is never bliss. It's just burying your head in the sand and bringing it back up and just hoping that everything's solved itself and it's gone away and it never will. Because problems multiply. Did you know that? Problems multiply. What is the saying out there? Misery seeks company. company. It wants to get people. You know why misery seeks company? Because it learned from its cousin problem. Because problems multiply. They grow. They build. And misery learned from that. And all these other things learn from each other. They never go away. Get your head out of the sand. Don't be an ostrich. Be the parents, be the kids that you need in your home. Point number four, shower with love. Shower with love. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says this, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. New Living Translation says this, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Isn't that nice? Love makes up for all offenses. Love, the Bible says, also covers a multitude of sins. Love is a coverer. It's a healer. It's a restorer. It's a helper. Love is not a doormat that you just walk all over me. But love is gentle, but yet so powerful. It's amazing the wounds that genuine Genuine love can heal. 1 Corinthians 13, don't have it on the screen, but the first two verses of 1 Corinthians 13, paraphrased, reads something like this. You can have everything, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And in fact, one translation says, if you don't have love, you are good for nothing. You are good for nothing without love. Don't let your home be good for nothing. Don't let nothingness rule in your home. Let love rule in your home. Kids can be very sensitive and they can interpret our negative reaction as resenting them and even hating them by our response. And as parents, I pray, but we should know this. As parents, we would die for our kids. We would give our lives for our kids. But sometimes our kids think that we've got the plans to get rid of them. We need to make sure that we're communicating to them the fact that we love them and that they're special to us. It's so important to have love and Love that overlooks the wrong. Because if we're just looking at the wrong, it's hard to love. We can't see the sin. We've got to see the person. We can't see what's been wrong. We've got to see the person through it. That's what love does. It looks beyond the fault and it sees the need. What's the need? They need to be loved. You need to be respected. That's the need. And of course, we reprimand our kids. Both verbally and and physically, I believe that we need to correct our kids. And and I think, again, a great workshop for you to be in on Wednesday as Dad talks about biblical correction. Because the Bible says if you spare the rod, meaning if you don't correct your kids, you're going to spoil your child. The thought is to ruin your child, to take from them. But what we must do, even when we are correcting them, we must assure them and reassure them of our love. Here's some examples. You can say this, you know I love you, but that sassy math is not going to cut it. And I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. Here's another one. I'm disappointed with the decisions that you've made and your grades are not what they need to be. And I'm only disciplining you about this because I love you. I love you. I love you. And parents and kids, but predominantly I'm speaking to parents, don't be afraid to apologize too when you get it wrong. Don't be afraid to apologize when you get it wrong. I apologized to Luke just the other week. It's a tough thing sometimes to swallow your pride to apologize because I'm the boss, I'm this and I'm that. Don't let pride destroy where love can build. Because I'm telling you right now that when you admit you're wrong and you show them and you come to them with a sincere heart, there's perhaps no greater way to show them the love because you're saying, I value you so much, I got it wrong. Would you forgive me so we can get it right? 
And most of the mistakes parents can make and will make can be forgiven by the child if the child perceives sincere love from the parent. When a child feels it and a parent knows it's there, or a child, when she feels it and knows it's there, a child usually can feel and change. You know, some people have said this to me, Pastor Philip, you know, I struggle in my home because I was never loved. It's really hard for me, Pastor Philip, to love my family because I don't really know what love is, because I wasn't loved. I want to tell you today, the way you discover how to love is by discovering the God of love. Because God says, I am love. So if you want to know how to love, go to God. Because he is love, not a part of him. If you were able physically to cut God into two million pieces, every piece would scream out as loud, I love you. Because everything about the essence, the being, the person of God is love. He is love. You can't separate from God from love because love is God and God is love. So if you say that, then you need to get relationship, get lost in God, and you begin to feel his love, you begin to give. That's the vision of our church where life starts, love happens, and purpose is filled. How can love happen? Because when you experience his love, it will begin to flow out of you, and you'll begin to love like you never thought possible. And you learn to love in him, but you learn to love by being planted in the house too. Get around other people. Look at other marriages and other homes that have been successful and learn from them. Ask questions. Can I take you out for a coffee? Can I ask you questions? Kelly and I have that a lot with people. Can we just ask you questions? We're here to hopefully answer your questions. Ask the questions you need from the right people so they can give you the right answers that you need. Surround yourself with the people who are right. Come on, Married for Life is next Sunday. Sunday night at 5.30. You need to be here. We're having a panel over almost 90 years of marriage between my mum and dad and Dee and Arnold. That's a lot of information that we need to know in our lives. Nearly 90 years of marriage experience. I want to tap into that and ask some questions about how I can make my marriage successful and blessed like theirs obviously still are. Think about that. But plus, let let me add this also. When we do blow it and we have to apologize, remember this, we need to apologize to two people. We need to apologize to God as well as to them. As parents, we need to apologize to God and to our kids. As kids, we need to apologize to God and to our parents. Why? Because we break his heart and hurt his heart when we fail to do what he has called us to do. And lastly today, number five, they are not perfect. They're not perfect. None of us are perfect. If only my home could be perfect, then everything would be great. No, it would never be great because it will never be perfect. You've got to allow for imperfections. You've got to be able to give some tolerance. Notice I said tolerance and not compromise. Got to be able to give some tolerance. None of us are there yet. Kids are willful creatures. We talked about that, me kicking my shoes off. We're in the moment. We do things. We don't think. But we've got a will just like everyone else. There's a struggle that we have. We're not perfect. We haven't arrived, but we need to be constantly arriving and getting it right. I'm glad today that I can share with each one of you this thought, that we have a Savior who died for our sins. That he knew that we were imperfect, but yet he still came for us. In all of our imperfections, he was still willing to die for us. Every shortcoming and every wrong, he knew, but he still said, I love you enough that I want to die for you. Because every one of us is born with a sinful nature and we act sinfully. Look at the Bible, says Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love towards us. In other words, the greatest way that God could demonstrate his love towards us was what? That while we were yet sinners, while we were still in sin, didn't get it right, but while we were still imperfect and didn't get it right, God chose to extend his love and he chose to die for each one of us. Come on, that same grace that's been afforded to us from God is the same grace that we need to afford in our homes. I I read this or heard this this week and I think I may have posted it on Facebook this week. Don't ever get off your knees to grab someone by the throat. Don't ever get off your knees to grab someone by the throat. Because while you're in your needs and repentance and under the grace and mercy of God, there are going to be things that people are going to do, but you extend to them the same grace and mercy that God has extended to you. 
Let God judge them. Let God take care of them. But you extend the grace because they need the same grace that you have needed in your life. So let me bring this all to a close today. Even if we could have a perfect family, I wonder if we would still be satisfied. I really wonder if we would still be satisfied. Because Adam and Eve in paradise had everything they could ever need. But yet what? They still wanted more. And today we are still paying the price as a result of that. You've got to realize we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it all right. But let's make sure that the grace and the mercy of God is thrown in our lives. That we are being the godly parents that we need to be. That we are being the respectful children that we need to be. And next week we're going to look at how to energize and to motivate and build that relationship in our home and in our marriage. The place that we remember where it counts. Psalms 101 verse 2, I'm doing the best I can in the place that counts the most, in my home, in my family, because my family matters. Come on, we decode, we understand there's a problem. But I pray today we've given you some helps that will help you diffuse that to bring to a conclusion and bring a solution so we can stop the craziness, so we can start building, we can start loving, we can start respecting that our homes can be exactly what God wants them to be. Come on, if you received that today, would you stand to your feet with me today? Again, slightly a different method, slightly a different way. We've been teaching more today than preaching. Someone once said the difference between teaching and preaching is the volume in which you say it. Because when you preach, you tend to kind of spit and get red and shout a little bit. But we pray that we have taught you some principles today that you can build your marriage, your home, your family upon. Because your family matters. Your family matters. How many people here today would say with me, you know what? I have never really, after what I've heard today, I've never fully really surrendered everything to God and God still hasn't had everything of me, but there's still parts of me that I need God to change. Has anyone got their hands up right now? I know my hand's up right now. Come on, I'm not perfect when it's a parent. I'm not perfect as a child. Come on, there's things in my life. Come on, who would put up their hand and say, God still needs to perfect me and work on me? Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. If someone hasn't got their hand up around you, then grab their hand and put it up because they're going to hell if you don't. Amen. We've all got things in our lives, amen, that God still needs to work in our lives. God wants to keep performing in us. I want to pray for you. Would you, every one of you, as your hands are lifted high, would you pray this prayer with me and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would give me the help and strength that I need. I don't get it right. But God, I want to. God, I repent of my wrong thoughts, my wrong words, and my wrong actions. And God, I want to change. And God, I pray that you would help me in my life to be everything that you created me to be. God, I'm not perfect. But God, in you, I can find completeness. And God, I pray that you would complete me, that you would change my home, that you would help me to give the love and to give the respect that is needed to unlock their deepest need, to bring about a change in my home. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.